0: Hey, my name is Melissa, and uh, I am one of your pastors here. Hello. Man. Let's pray. God, we um, do indeed pray that you would expand uh, our hearts tonight. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear from you, and oftentimes we hear from you through one another, And through your word, through songs, and a lot of times through silence. And so we're ready and we're listening. Come Holy Spirit. (coughs) Amen. Amen. Uh, We are reading the book of Jonah during the month of February. Amanda is teaching on it on Wednesday nights and also on Saturdays um, before church and before the worship service um how many of you had had read the book of jonah or heard the story of jonah when you were little yeah like just about every hand in the room um amanda in week one shared a couple of coloring pages that kids ministries use and and uh i had forgotten about this but like the whale is always smiling and (laughs) Like Jonah gets inside the belly of the whale and like it's a nice kind of, he's got a queen size mattress and there's there's flowers there and he kind of sets up the tent and, you know, just kind of waits for three days to pass. This story of something significant happening at the end of three days is not original to the people of God, to the Hebrew people, or even... It's pretty darn significant in our story of the one that we follow who on the third day, he didn't wait for the fourth day, on the third day he rose again. But, but in literature, this story of something significant happening after three days was quite common. In the ancient Near Eastern cultures, it was understood that if you were going to walk through hell, it would take you about three days. The good old country music song, if you're going through hell, keep on moving. <laughs> there was this understanding that if you were in the belly, in the pit, that it would take about three days to walk across it, but just keep going. In Old Testament literature, the significant things that happened after three days, when Elijah the prophet is prophesying there had been no rain, there had been nothing for years, and all of a sudden, he challenges a battle, a throwdown to the gods of Baal. And he douses the altar with water, and he says, God, if you're going to come, come down and alight. Set this offering on fire. And after three days, God shows up. The story that we're looking at tonight is, is here is Jonah in the belly of the well, and I am guessing... Like many of us, I mean, it wasn't like a well, fur- fully furnished pit of despair, but like he had paid rent there before. Because the price of being human, sometimes, most of the time, is being in the pit. And so I, I, I want to uh, step aside tonight. The, the the message tonight is around repentance, so what we can do when we're in the pit. But there are some times, and please hear me <laughs> There are some times that we are in a pit of despair or grief or darkness and we've done nothing to get us there. And if that's where you are tonight, you have permission now to hear this part. (laughs) Everybody has permission to hear it. You have permission to hear this part and then just rest the rest of the night, okay? Grace is going to find you. It's not always going to be this hard. It's not always going to be this dark, and grace will find you. Now you can take a nap (laughs) and rest. But each of us also have within our lives times where we have made a mess with life, with our very own hands, by decisions that we've done, by actions that we've done or not done. And tonight what Jonah chapter 2 brings to us is a prayer that Jonah prayed when he was in the belly, when he knew he was going to have to walk three days through the valley of the shadow of death because of decisions he had made, because of his own stubbornness, because of, as Amanda said, how much his heart had contracted. And we get an inside glimpse into hearing Jonah's prayer. And so what I want to do tonight is um, I have voluntold myself to read the scripture. And the, the, the message where we're landing tonight is that we may all come to this prayer of my will be undone. You know the words in the prayer that we pray, thy will be done. Well, sometimes we ask for our own will, and I don't even have the scripture up here, so... Let's see. There it is. I'm fully prepared. <laughs> I think this is the gist of what Jonah is praying. And maybe, maybe you're in a spot right now where you feel like you've made just a, a mess of things, a situation at work, a relationship, a decision that you know you should make, but you've just kind of been holding off and you find yourself in the pit This is the prayer that comes to us tonight. As I read it, I want to invite you to perhaps pick one word or maybe an image that you can say, yeah, yeah, that's when I think about a prayer of my will be undone. Maybe it's a description of what the pit looks like, or maybe it's a description of the bigness of God's grace, the vastness of God's grace. All right, you ready? Jonah chapter 2. Non-rhetorical question. Are you ready? Jonah chapter (laughs) 2. We left off in chapter 1. Jonah, God sends, God sends a big old fish to swallow him. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. O Lord, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet, I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters, they closed around me. The seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord, but God... But you, O Lord, my God, you snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered you, Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods, they turn their back on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to vomit Jonah out onto the beach. The original Hebrew word there is vomit. I did ask Richard if he could rewrite the closing song tonight so that we could sing about God who vomits his love upon us. He said no. (laughs) Uh, actually, the closing song we're singing tonight uh, is one that, that he wrote uh, many years ago. Oh, Lord, my will be undone. I wonder if there was a, a, a phrase or an image that you gathered from Jonah's prayer, Jonah's cry. Was there anybody anybody brave enough to offer it into the room? Yes. Jesus. There we go. Hmm. imprisoned under the earth. And Michelle said, in Harris County Jail, the walls are concrete and it does feel like you are buried. Jonah is swallowed by this big fish, which is the very thing that is both his judgment and his salvation. And oftentimes in our own lives, those pits of despair those places that we end up that are so deep and so dark because of the mess that we have made of our own hands at times are both our judgment and our salvation. And in this moment, in the belly of the whale, Jonah realizes and remembers all of those prayers that his mama had prayed over him. All of a sudden, in this moment, he has access to the prayer book that had been given to him, and he remembers. Oh my gosh, the words are actually, thy will be done. <laughs> and I love that in that moment, that God rescues as soon as Jonah repents. God rescues as soon as Jonah repents. And that is the good news for us tonight that is the good news when we find ourselves in the pit of despair is that God hears the cries of our heart and responds. Jonah thought he could outrun God, thought he was stronger than God, thought he understood justice better than God. But when brought to his knees, when brought to the fact that he was wearing seaweed as a turban and his, his mouth was just full of salt water, he realized, oh God, my will be undone, yours be done. I shared in the weekly email a a famous hymn. I'm going to put the words on the screen of the original lyrics. Have thine own way Lord have thine own way. Thou art the potter if you know it say it with me. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still yet now you're singing the others, have my own way. I am the potter, you are the clay. I'll make and mold you after my will, while on my delusions I feast till I'm filled. (laughs) That's how I often rewrite it. You can have your own version. (laughs) But those two things often go hand in hand. The times in which we, maybe out of what started as good intentions that we try to force our own way, and we end up pushing and pushing and pushing so much so that last week I said our busyness does not mean that we are being obedient. Jonah had to get back to a place where he was yielded and still, and if you find yourself in this in this pit of Not sure if God's forgiveness is still for you. I want this to be a space tonight where you can be yielded. You can surrender that prayer and say, God, let my will be undone. Let your will be done. We had a discussion in the Wednesday night Bible study this week. If Jonah's prayer captured in chapter 2, is it sincere? Or is he just kind of like buttering God up? you know? I mean, it's a little curious that he says, God, you're the one that you got me into this mess. No, it was just like 10 verses earlier where Jonah is saying to a bunch of pagans, you know, I'm the cause of the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. And says, just throw me into, Jonah got himself into this own mess. So I don't know if Jonah's prayer was sincere. If If it's not entirely, it's even more hopeful to me that Jonah repents and God rescues. Even when his prayers were selfish and they were not all worked out. But like I said earlier, I wonder though if all of those prayers that Jonah had prayed as a boy, if they just came back to him in that moment where he was finally yielded and still and willing to surrender. And say, God, what now? My life was slipping away and you remembered me, God. My prayer goes out to you. And so what I want to invite us to tonight is a a, a practice of repentance. Uh, where I went to school, to, to graduate school in Kentucky, earlier this week on Wednesday, um, the graduate school was on one side of the street, and the undergrad was on the other. And um, at the undergrad, as a girl, you couldn't wear shorts. <laughs> it was so disturbing to me. I was just enough of a rebel that sometimes I would just cross the street, you know, <laughs> in my shorts. Yeah. It's uh, deep in a uh, holiness movement. <laughs> Earlier this week on Wednesday the students at the undergrad just showed up for a regular chapel and something happened. And it's now Saturday 7:15 there and they're still there. There have been people who have driven hundreds of miles to just come to this chapel. Other outbreaks of the spirit have happened. There's been healing and testimony and witness. I don't know, I can't explain it. The heartbeat of that moment of worship and and the heartbeat of the worship of God's heart is that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Yeah. So there's been a room full of undergrad students and adults and coming from all over rural Kentucky who are just repenting of the sin in their own lives, of the, the sin of the things that we have tried to mold and shape God into our own will. But just just repenting of that and laying it down. And so uh, Frederick Buechner says this about repentance. The quote will be on the screen. He says, true repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. Jamez, I didn't even know you were going to write that poem. Don't look back. But God did. (laughs) Repentance does have a movement of, I'm sorry, oh my goodness, I have tried to force my will. But true repentance isn't always looking in the rearview mirror. It is the ability to grow into the vastness of God's grace and mercy and look to the future and say, wow, that's the wind in our sail that keeps us going. And so repentance is this I'm going to land the plane here. Or maybe God will or I don't know. Repentance is a matter of the heart. It's made audible with words. And it's confirmed through our actions. Repentance is a response of the heart. It is God calling to us, be yielded and still. My way, my ways are better than your ways. My thoughts are better than your thoughts. repentance is a response of the heart and it's made audible with words words maybe that you have carried with you those prayers from long ago of thy will be done or God I'm sorry I have sinned against you and against my neighbor I have not heard the cries of the needy come Lord Jesus and forgive me And then repentance is always followed with a confirmation through actions. We'll get to that with Jonah next week in chapter (laughs) 3. Spoiler alert, by the time we get to chapter 4, he's needing to repent again. It's so beautiful. It's a human story. (laughs) I love it that it does not end in perfection. (laughs) We all have things in our lives that separate us from God. And sometimes the repentance and the mercy and the forgiveness that we need to seek is even within ourselves, to forgive ourselves for what we've done or said or not done or not said. And so within the space of silence tonight, before we sing and before I extend an invitation to join this church, I want to take just some time in silence. And do not think about this in terms too big because God's work in our lives always starts in the particular and the small. But what is God calling you to tonight? The part of your will that you've tried to force and that you can lay that and repent of that, to turn around from that and to put words to it. And it's a conversation between you and God, no one else. And so we have candle banks that are up here. We have an altar. We have carpeted here. We have this beautiful butterfly that we uh, don't often talk to, but it has the pathway of the 12 steps on it. And so for those of you that walk that pathway, it may be finding the connection. There are several steps along the way that tie closely to repentance The step three prayer, can I get a witness? There it is. I'm going to give that up for Lent. Just I'm going to do it. Psalm 32 says, God, finally I confessed my sin to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you know what, God? You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. But don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Don't be a jackass. Don't be, Lord, I don't want to be a stubborn person. I want to live generously don't you? Holy Spirit continue to be poured out of your mercy and your grace and your love and let us keep our eyes fixed on where you are leading each of us next. We may have our eyes fixed on the future and how you're leading us on this pathway of life. I pray God that Even over this next week, as we may find ourselves back in the midst of the pit, that you would remind us you are always with us. And all we need to do is turn our face towards you, and you are there. God, even as a church, we ask for your forgiveness for the times where we try to make this something other than about you. (laughs) I thank you for such a beautiful community of Mercy Street. Where we really do want to have our eyes fixed on you, for there is no power greater than you. All healing and mercy and grace and justice and love comes from you. So I thank you that this is a place where we can walk with one another and find that pathway of life. And tonight we pray indeed, thy will be done. Amen.